Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Today we are talking about investor adoption. What is that? Well, we'll figure it out pretty soon. This is a bit different of an approach to investing where um, an investor takes much more active advisory role in the company and is often adopted into the leadership team. My name is Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to provide tactical solutions to solve the most difficult hiring challenges for companies. And today, our guest is Robert Davis. Robert is the founder and CEO of Y7 Collective and Communities for Causes. Robert grew up here in Huntington Beach, started in aerospace, and uh, quickly moved to a snowboard manufacturing company called Thermal Snowboards. They made products for companies like 5150 and Joyride. The company was acquired in 1995 by Ride, a publicly traded company, and then acquired by K2. At that point, Robert was VP of Operations. And in 1997, he left and started up a company called Avid Inc. He effectively built the company from one employee to over 250 and $24 million in revenue. Impressive. All this from a, uh, from a small loan. Uh, he successfully exited the company in 2015, and today... He is the founder and CEO of Y7 Collective and his newly acquired company, Communities for Cause, which is uh, we'll talk a little bit more about later. I'm going to give you a plug on that one. <laughs> uh, he's also a member of Techco's Angels and Octane's Launchpad, Launchpad panel. Man, Robert, when do you sleep? Robert, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So. I wanted to jump right in and kind of cover a few things. I want to talk a little bit about what draws you in as an investor, how how kind of the process of how you might be adopted into a company, and then also address kind of some of the hiring challenges you've had along the way throughout your career. Okay. So let's talk about what draws you into a company as an investor or advisor, I should say. Well, on on in my world, which is an outsider to many angel investors, I, I look for the chaos. That's one of the things that I like. Yeah. And I like problems. So if I see the company has the position to grow, but they have a handful of situations at hand that need contending with, that draws me in, in the immediate. Sure. Hmm? So what kind of chaos do you look for? Well, <laughs> after my, uh, thank you for reading off my resume, by the way, when, <laughs> when, you know, after all of my years of manufacturing, mm-hmm. I've dealt with every, almost every type of chaos you can imagine. Sure. So I believe I have, a, I have formulas of based on my failures and my successes that I can, I can um, manipulate those causes into a positive. You know, those, those, sure. those, that chaos into a positive. Sure. Okay. Is, is there any particular like, challenges that you tend to look for, like maybe in management or maybe something operationally? Like what, what are you really drawn to? Well, the company culture is a huge. That's the huge emphasis of, of any company. Sure. And if the company uh, culture is flawed to begin with, that is the structure by which the company is able to grow. And if the culture is stagnant or not in a uh, positive, prosperous mode, sure then it will have that kind of flatlining effect of, of growth. The whole company will be affected by that culture. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds possibly weird to say. No, it's not weird at all. But if everybody is not in the game 
and they're not in for the direction of that company based on the vision and the mission of the company, then it's destined for that flat line and possibly failure. Well, and you mentioned vision and mission, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's just not a clear uh, picture of what that is. That's correct. Yeah. So do you, do you help the leadership kind of gain insight into what that mission and vision is? Is that something that that's of interest to you? Well, based, yes. Um, my, my, my experience based on a founder and a CEO sure. is that I didn't always properly identify that's the first word, identify what the mission is sure. and the, the vision of the company is. But as the CEO of the company, it is your job to identify what that vision and mission is. And then you have the team around you that can help you execute that mission. As, as And you the, also have to live that mission as as the CEO of the company, correct. which often, often most CEOs, CEOs don't. Well, especially the founder CEOs like myself. Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you fall off the mark and you create a vision for the company and then you dictate what that vision is and then you skew it six months later, I'm skewing the entire company, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think as a founder, I've made that mistake as well. It's my responsibility as the CEO to create the vision, develop the mission with the entire team, and then execute it with them. Yeah. It's not your job as the CEO to execute that. It is, it is the job of the entire company to execute the vision and mission of the company. Yeah, got it. All right, so we got the vision and mission of the company complete. Now now what do you dig into after that? Well, there's, <laughs> which everybody loves the word, the, the term KPIs. But everybody has both got numerical KPIs as well as um, emotional KPIs. And even yourself, as an example, as a, a growing uh, employee of a company, you have your own career, yeah, and you have your own benchmarks that you need to create for yourself, and then the company has their own KPI, so to speak. If those aren't aligned, then we're going to be off to kind of a false start, and a lot of companies don't recognize that. Now, for for a kind of new entrepreneur, what's a KPI again? <laughs> a key performance indicator. There you go. All right. You know, what, what I refer to is that I can hire somebody to come in and do operations management. Sure. Okay? They have a great resume. They have wonderful, wonderful experiences and they love it. But until I know what they personally want to grow into, they might want to, may want to grow into commercial real estate. Yeah. That's the direction that they really want to go into. Sure. But if I don't know that and I and I don't I don't pick up on that in some context as a as a person of hiring, yeah. then our, our relationship isn't going to last long. That, that should be a function of a recruiter. You know, a recruiter should actually be able to dig in and know what that person wants well, you're as a, you bring them through the process. I'm sorry for cutting you off. You, yeah. you picked up on one point, though, is that the, only the recruiter can ask questions like that. So yeah. me as an employer, yeah, I have, let's just say Y7 Collective, and I'm at 50 employees, which is not the case. But let's sure. pretend for a moment that I'm at 50 employees, and now we're looking to recruit people for senior level executive uh, positions. Now, I cannot ask those questions in the interview process. However, a recruiter has the ability to ask those questions because they are not the employer. And that is a major benefit to uh, outside recruitment, in my opinion. You, anyway. you can ask uh, something like, you know, if you were desi- to design your, your, your next move, what would that look like for you? What would be the what would be the uh, the actual elements of the job, or what space would you want to work in, independent mm-hmm. of our role? 
that's something you can ask. But again, you know, you have to kind of get deep into the psychological process of recruiting. To... Well, there's there's, <laughs> there's there, there are there are workarounds on on that question. Yeah. So as an example, I can ask, you know, what do you want to do career wise? I can ask the question, is there anything that you'd like to tell me about you personally? Yeah. That is about my only workaround yeah, to get into is. your personal life. Yeah. Um, I and it's getting worse, by the way, in 2018 coming up. California, especially. Yeah, absolutely. I I cannot, as the employer, ask you questions uh, about you. Really, you know. So, how old are you? When is your birthday? Are you a Libra? Yeah. You know, how many kids do you have? What yeah. kind of car do you drive? What city do you live in? How much did you buy your house for? You know, I can't ask you those things. No, no, not at all. Because now I'm starting to judge you on that criteria, which sure. I'm going to be held responsible for by the state. Yeah. Yes. No, I totally get that. So. But, okay, so we kind of got derailed off on that one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I do that a lot. My own, that was my own personal plug, I think. So um, let, let's talk about Communities for Causes and, and how you were kind of uh, an investor, and now now you are running the company, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about the process on how that came to be. Communities for Cause is a platform. It's, um, it's an iOS and an Android app application, mm-hmm. and it's a platform by which the application allows – um, the supporters or the users of the application to uh, shop and work with merchants. <laughs> nice plug for your kombucha. Um, do plugs for merchants. Uh, not plugs. They do purchases with merchants. Sure. And those merchants that have signed on with Communities for Cause, uh-huh. what they have the ability to do is take a percentage of that and donate that percentage to the cause of that user's choice. Nice. So as an example, you, Rick, could be shopping over at... Um, Mom, or having lunch over at Mama's and 39 in Huntington Beach. Or be getting my hair done. They Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're getting shoes. But you can be at Mama's and 39, <laughs> spend $100. Mama's on 39 wants to give 10% to the cause of your choice. Nice. You go into the CFC app, and you load in which cause you've selected. Let's pretend it's big boys. Uh, or big boys. the um, uh, Big brothers, big sisters. Okay. You pick that as your cause. And from that point, you register that transaction, meaning the receipt, from Mamas on 39, and what transpires is that that 10%, that donation directive actually goes to that cause that you chose. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that's that's cool. It's a really cool app, mm-hmm. and it's being it's being redesigned and relaunched within the next two to three weeks. So how did you get involved with the company? Um, I got involved with the company because they, I think, they needed some new leadership sure. in the company. It's, it's just my, I'm going to give you my opinion. Sure. There's two sides to every story. Sure. And. They need new leadership and a new vision of the company. And what they initially offered me to come in to run the company, I wasn't necessarily excited about. And six months later, I learned that they ran into a lot of chaos. Yeah. And it's a turnaround. And it. it has a tremendous amount of potential, but it requires some real fixing. I mean, it's a it's a great, great platform. But it's just that the design and the execution of the company is um, just needs redirecting. So you came in as an investor. What, uh, at, at what point were you kind of adopted in and asked to, I mean, were, was it a situation where, hey, I, we need to fix the leadership? Or how did that how did that look? Or is that something you can talk for, about even? No, no. I, I, I'll talk about it from yeah. the example I gave earlier is that it was literally from a, a heartbeat standpoint. Sure. I think at the okay. heart of the company, when it's beating really fast and furious, it means it's just going. Yeah. This was at a flat line, meaning it Got was it. just, you know, which way are we going to go? We didn't go down or up or just let the thing go. 
And that's where I just and came what, to what take did, over. So you liked the, the technology itself, or was it that you liked the, co- the the people in the company, or you just liked the chaos enough that it drew you in and you said, I can fix all this? That was number three. Okay. See, I'll, I'll select three on that. See on that one. <laughs> I, um, okay. I like the I like the chaos and the ability for it to grow, and I see that the, it's it's got the capabilities yeah. to to launch into and become very viral. That is what drew me in. I, I love the fact that you're a fixer, like you you love the the challenge of fixing the broken things, right? I mean, and I'm not tech either, which is no. hysterical. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm speaking language on API and UX and betas, and I'm all, all that stuff, and that's just not me, but it is now. Yeah, you've got a. a You've done a really good job of actually kind of meandering your career through different different aspects. I mean, different. You di- went from aerospace to snowboarding to now you're in tech. <laughs> That's awesome. And tech ghost angels, yes. Awesome. All right, all right. We're gonna uh, take a quick break. We're um, we're talking with Robert Davis, uh, founder and CEO of Communities for Causes. And when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna dig into kind of uh, one of the most difficult hiring challenges you've had, so we can teach some of our entrepreneurs to uh, to effectively be better in their recruiting efforts. Cool. Be right back. You're listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the show. Before the break, well, I'm sorry, this is the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, And today our guest is Robert Davis. So uh, we were just talking a little bit about what draws him in as an investor. Now we're going to talk about one of the most difficult hiring challenges that he's had to overcome in his career. And uh, kind of give you guys something to, to work with to, uh, to really build out your hiring practices. So, Robert. Um, what has been the biggest hiring challenge you've had in your career so far? My career over like, like 20 some odd years. Well, yeah. we can go back that far if you want, or we can talk about just, just most recently. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest, probably my biggest hiring problem was probably me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think as a founder, a CEO, it wasn't back in the, uh, in the snowboard days, that wasn't it. It was when I became the owner and the CEO is I, I got myself, I got in the way and I made some. Which is evident, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I, and I, what my hiring practice that I developed and I, as the CEO of the company, when I develop that, the rest of the company will follow that. Sure. Remember we were talking about culture. Yeah. So if I'm leading that culture of, of the, that decision-making process, that's where it becomes sideways. Yeah. And what I, what I did is. I would tell uh, tell staff members and, and HR what I wanted, but I when I when I used that one letter or that one word I, and I should have replaced it with what the company needed, not sure. what I wanted. Sure. So what I wanted was the easy way out. I wanted people I was familiar with. I was I wanted people that I could engage with. I wanted people that I could get along with. Sure. I wanted people that could run it. 
but the company needed somebody that was smarter than me in a lot of those areas. Somebody that could challenge it. Correct. Yeah. And hold me accountable. You yeah. bet. And that and that team actually that could actually execute. I use that word actually twice. Um, it's a great word that can <laughs> that can execute the vision of the company. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just hiring people just like me, the company's going to be well. If I did that, the company would be down in about two weeks. If they're, well, they're I think as entrepreneurs, it's a tendency to hire yes men, right? You want to surround yourself with people initially that you can kind of get to do the work. And you don't want to be challenged. It, it, maybe it's a little bit of the entrepreneurial ego that kind of comes into play in the beginning, right? Well, yeah. You just don't want to mess up or, or, or allow somebody else to have that control. But think about what I just said about the beginning. I'm, I'm, telling, the, I'm telling my staff what I want yeah. and versus what the company needs. So if I'm hiring on what the company needs, it may make me uncomfortable, but that's what I should have recognized on the front end. Yes. And I should have hired people. That would have made me a little comfortable, which would have made me a better CEO, not a lackadaisical hire what I want, when I want kind of people. Yeah. And that's, if I'm creating that culture, what kind of people are they going to hire? And it's not fair to them that, you know, their leader, their CEO is uh, just hiring in that, that position because I'm actually doing them an injustice as well by telling them this is how you should hire. Yeah. So therefore, that's how they are going to hire. And there, and that's just where it's this snowball effect that ends up happening. Yeah. So the whole company is treated that way. The whole culture of the company is doing that. Well, yeah, if it feels it, good. Go ahead and do it. That's yeah. not healthy. Yeah, totally. And people hire down too, as opposed to hiring up. If you're setting that precedence in the beginning, of course. I mean, yeah. that's a job security. I mean, if you think yeah. about telling your executives to hire people that are smarter than they are, that's a very challenging thing to do because that means that they could be in job jeopardy. And the way I used to look at this is you work yourself in different companies, work yourself out of a job. Yeah. When I started out, I mean, I drove forklifts. I did sales. I did operations. I did HR. I did accounting. I did all those things, and I worked myself out and replaced it. Could I replace them with better people? Yes. Not ones that just made me feel comfortable. Well, putting on, you know, I'm sure as an investor, you look at companies all the time right now. Do you see that same mindset in a lot of the entrepreneurs that you talk to still do people still look at it that way or did they actually think okay i need to hire up Is well, it, has that changed well it's it hasn't necessarily changed it's it's a i can only speak from my own experience yeah um because i because i've dealt with quite a bit in my world mm-hmm. that my hiring practices are much different than an entrepreneur's now yeah and i think the unfortunate circumstance is that they they, the entrepreneur, are going to learn by failure. Yeah. Yeah, and hiring the wrong one the wrong way at one time. And, and unfortunately, they're going to have to hear that I told you so by yeah. somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and that goes into, you know, internal hiring practices versus external hiring practices. It's very, very different on how you do those things. So do you find that it would probably be more effective for an entrepreneur? Like if you do hire up, right, you hire somebody and you hand off, you, you actually delegate that work and, and don't keep your hands in it. You're probably better off than the entrepreneur who's got his hands in everything. Oh, well, it's not as hands hands off as an entrepreneur, I think, would be a mistake. Only because you you have to watch and learn how the process evolves. Yeah. So that's a mistake to maybe, be totally hands off. Then then the company's out of your control. Yeah. Maybe I misphrased that. I mean, right. hands off as far as the, whatever the responsibility is that he's given. Oh, I, yeah. yes, to, to an extent, yes. Yeah. Like I have somebody else, you tell, as an example, I'm an entrepreneur, 
I should tell whoever is seeking um, to fill that position what the company needs, yeah. not what Rob Davis wants, yeah. but what the company needs. And that's where once that's outlined, then you can go full force and go find those right people. Look at the, as an example, the um, job descriptions. Yeah. Those are way out of whack these days. I love that you bring that up. What? I'm actually giving a talk on Thursday about job descriptions. Oh, like, they're here a at TechSpace. Yeah, they're a mess. I mean, I, I watch people in transitions that have been. Sorry, I drink so much water. Hey, go for it. That there are so many of these people that are in transition from one career to the next that they are they are so used to writing the job descriptions, whether it's a uh, a bachelor's degree, yeah. it's an MBA, whether it's you know 55 years <laughs> in this job position. The real telltale is what they're really capable of doing. Yeah. And that's very difficult to outline on a piece of paper or so in a resume. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump back to the, what was your aha moment when you realized, hey, look at, I'm not doing what's best for the company. Uh, you mean as it pertains to hiring? Yeah. Um, when I, I got to that point when I, I was, uh, I was leaning on a human resources individual, which is not fair to them. Sure. And I was expecting that human resources not only knows about um, all the laws associated with compliance and human resources, but of course they must be recruiters, which in fact they are not. And that's not fair to say that some of them aren't, but the majority of them are not recruiters. It's not fair to put that on them a lot of times either. Well, exactly. So uh, uh, go back to my spin a moment ago. I tell, I tell human resources uh, that this is the type of person I want. That's failure number one. I just told them what I want, not the company needs. That's failure one. Two, I gave them the description of what I want. Three, now I'm going to hand that off to another person. I'm going to call the person Michael, the director of human resources. Sure. So Michael's going to go off and take his spin on what I want, not the company needs. Sure. And then he's going to put his spin onto it, and then he's going to create what he thinks Rob wants. Sure. So therefore, he's that, that... that all that all the resumes, all the information has really thinned down to a few candidates. When in fact we may have overlooked about eighty five people. Then my aha moment is when I went outside and I recruited. On the outside, I got way better caliber of people. People that actually scared the crap out of me. But yeah, when you reached out to your network, no, I went. I went outside. I recruited on the outside, not through oh, okay. HR. Got it. So um, brought in retain search a professional recruiter. Correct. Yes. Okay. That was very helpful. Yeah. So that was, in essence, what helped you fix that issue was bringing in outside help? Well, yeah, because the outside actually corrects me and says, no, Rob, is that what you want? Because this, what you're describing is a personal wish versus what the company needs. You're not yeah. describing any KPIs. You know, just because they have great sales and great, a great disposition is not part of the resume. Yeah. You know, they can't be cool people just to hire them. <laughs> well, and that's... And that's what people end up hiring are cool people, they people hire, that they think that they'd like to work with. The higher characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. in, I, I, see it, I see it very often with, with companies where, hey, we've got somebody who we just thought was going to be great. And the problem is that it's just not the right person. You know, it's not what the company needed. No, and as an entrepreneur, yeah. look, back at, look back at yourself when you're being hired. And should you have gotten all of those jobs that you did get yeah. throughout your career? And what, what could have been done differently yeah. as an entrepreneur looking at that at your hiring practices? So what was the fix for yourself, the takeaway from, from you? The only way to actually remove it from 
not my total my to get as hands off as you said earlier yeah. is to get it out of the building yeah. for me the hiring got it mm-hmm. hr belongs you know hr for to an extent belongs in the building or being a really attached to the building or the company but as far as recruiting is concerned i should say however recruiting is concerned i think that should be on an outside you know what i i would tend to disagree i think you can have a really strong recruiter on the inside who who can champion the company as well just because that person is the first uh, line of defense for anybody that you bring in you mean that person is hr no a recruiter you mean a separate recruiter yeah a separate just recruiter. recruiter for the company absolutely yeah. that's that's the difficult challenge is you have to be on the out it has to be on the outside and i'll disagree with your disagreement <laughs> <laughs> only because if we'll it, agree to disagree if it's an entrepreneur that's starting this they have to deal with it internally yeah. or externally. Or be able to find a source that can come in and run things for them or, you know, just run that whole process. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. even if it's an interim position or a part-time position to come in, that would have been a great position to fill as a part-time recruiter for all these small companies here in Orange County. Yeah. That's a great position to fill right there if you could be a part-time recruiter. That's kind of what we do. Anyway, <laughs> all right, so... I want to give you a quick chance to um, to get the the message out there for communities for cause because I love the I love the app. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've uh, I played around with it and it's it's awesome. So um, tell our listeners kind of the best way they can download it, where they can go. Is, is it live yet? You know, give us the four one one on that. There's a, there's a handful. So communities for cause can be found both on um, uh, the App Store and Google Play. Okay. Um, it is the the existing application is being completely redone. I would encourage anybody to, or everybody for that matter, to download the app and sign up for it. The Communities for Cause website is just communitiesforcause.com. That's easy. It's being uh, revamped and being launched this week at uh, nice. mycfc.com. Okay. So that will all be done. And uh, we're trying to merely make it streamlined so that it it interacts with the users I mean, the supporters of the uh, the application, sure. the merchants who are actually working with the Communities for Cause, and um, all the causes. And we're, we're going to branch out from the, the causes here in Orange County to the entire United States in the next four weeks. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish you much success for that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're just about out of time for today's show. Rob, uh, thanks for investing time and being on the show today, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. Cool. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. So I want to thank our – oh, uh, really quickly, what would be the best way for somebody to reach you if they want to find out uh, more or get in touch with you uh, about, uh, you know, Y7 or, or Communities for Cause? <laughs> out of all the emails and telephone numbers <laughs> I have. Yeah, can uh, I load up your inbox? No, no, no. I, I don't have a problem. I, I've always been a transparent guy, which is the entrepreneur that kind of exists inside me. Yeah. Um, I'm Robert at y7collective.com or Robert at mycfc.com. And ask me any questions. I don't mind at all. Sounds great. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to today's episode. A quick shout out to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check out Hire, that's H-I-R-E, PowerRadio.com. We are not a religious show. Or Hire Power Radio on iTunes. For the latest insights on the show, you can follow us on our LinkedIn or Facebook page, which is Higher Power Radio Show, 
or follow me on Twitter at Rick underscore Gerard. Tune in next week as our guest is going to be Rod Swartwood, founder and president of HR Prime. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 